Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That is one of my favorite verses, and it's Psalm 91, verse 1. I'm your host, Sandra Flack. Thank you so much for joining us today for this 21st bonus episode in our series, What Every Adoptive and Foster Parent Needs to Know About trauma and FASD and all of the things with our special guest, Dr. Jared Brown. If you have not listened to the first 20 episodes of this series, I encourage you to go back and listen to them. They are well worth your time investment. You know, plus you can listen to podcasts while you're driving or folding laundry or putting on your makeup or, you know, cooking dinner, whatever you do. Um, But I do want to say these bonus episodes, you will want to take notes. So even if you just listen casually like that, you most likely will want to sit down another time and uh, with a a notebook and a pen and, you know, or, you know, maybe you're high tech and you take your notes on your iPad or whatever, but you're going to want to take notes either way, because we are uh, diving into topics that are really vital for all of us foster, adoptive, and kinship caregivers. Um, so keep in mind the taking note part. You're not going to want to miss any of this amazing content. Uh, and as a reminder, our regular episodes of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey drop um, onto your device on Mondays. Always a new episode every Monday. This bonus series with Dr. Brown, we've been dropping those on Fridays. So hey, some weeks you get two episodes from us. Um, and, uh, you know, with, the, with this bonus series, this is actually the last in this current series, whatever adopt, what every adoptive and foster parent needs to know. We probably will have Dr. Brown on in the future, but for we're wrapping up this series today with this 21st episode. So if you are not a subscriber to this podcast yet, I would sincerely appreciate it if you do take a moment to subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple, please, please, please leave a review. Um, It really makes a huge difference and it it helps so that other adoptive and foster and kinship caregivers, when they're searching for podcasts on this topic, they can easily find us. So we hope you do that. Uh, And also, We've got some vital resources, not just this amazing podcast, but we have upcoming trainings and a support group and all kinds of things to help you on your parenting journey. So check it out. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, 
and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. And coming up in March, I'm offering a free one-hour lunch and learn introduction to FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. That is on Thursday, March 16th at 1 p.m. Eastern and a three-hour deep dive into FASD using the FACETS neurobehavioral model. The three-hour training will be on Wednesday, March 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And we're going to do it again. We're going to offer a second three hours. So they're two separate trainings. They're both the same. You can pick it up either on um, the 8th or again on the 30th at 7 p.m. There is a registration fee for the three-hour workshop. Um, You have to register either way because that's how you get the Zoom link so you can join the call um, and participate in the training. We offer certificates of completion for all of our workshops. So to register or to learn more, visit our website, justicefororphansny.org and click on events. That's where you will find all of the upcoming trainings that we offer. And there is a link to our website in the show notes for this podcast so you can easily click there and check it all out. Now to our guest, Um, he's persevered through with us, Dr. Jared Brown, PhD. He is an assistant professor for Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Jared has also been employed with Pathways Counseling Center in St. Paul for the past 17 years. Pathways provides programs and services benefiting individuals impacted by mental illness and addictions. Jared is also the founder and CEO of the American Institute for the Advancement of Forensic Studies and the editor-in-chief of Forensic Scholars Today. Jared has completed four separate master's degree programs and holds graduate certificates in autism spectrum disorder, other health disabilities, and traumatic brain injuries. Jared is also an FASD trainer, an autism specialist, a mental health integrative medicine provider, and I just found out he is a new foster parent. He and his wife are fostering. So he's really joined our club and come over to the side. Um, So please welcome back Dr. Jared Brown. Hey, Jared. Hey, Sandra, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so thrilled to have you back. Um, We made it through this series. It is our 21st episode together. Holy moly. That's gone fast. So it has. Thank you for the opportunity again. It's been fun and hopefully your audience is getting something out of it. Oh, I'm sure they are. I know I am and I'm just, you know, I've learned so much and, and um, you've taught us so much about the brain and the body and, um, just educated us and uh, the, you know topics that we maybe didn't know about before. I just wrote down a couple of them. Like I don't think I really knew anything about alexithymia or the HPA axis or sluggish cognitive tempo until we started having these conversations and you took us, you know, through those um, and then even taking us deeper into the weeds of executive function. Um, you know, the impacts of excessive screen time and, and, um, you know, sugary sweetened beverages and just 
gosh, attachment, all of those things that we kind of knew about, and then you took us deeper in. So I am just so grateful um, that, you know, that you have brought our audience along with you and, and, and brought such amazing content to us. So I appreciate your time. You're welcome. And thank you so much. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. And I know you told me we, you know, you warned me about a possible little interruption there. Do you want to share with our listeners that you might have a little person sitting next to you? Yeah. So if we hear some squeaks, there's a little little one beside me. So hopefully we'll we'll make it through it. So yeah, yeah. You're on that journey as a as a new foster parent. So we're super excited to have you along on on that journey. And I may have an interruption, but it'll be less cute. It'd be my dog trying to come in the house and she'll bark and want want me to let her in. So hopefully we won't get that interruption, but we welcome, you know, yours. So um all right. So as we wrap up today, we're going to we're going to wrap it up with a conversation about central nervous system dysfunction and trauma. So, Jared, would you start by unpacking exactly what is central nervous system dysfunction? Yeah, so in just my opinion, this is probably the most if not one of the most important topics in the series we did because so many things branch out from this so when we think of the nervous system it's going to involve our brain that's pretty important i hear our spinal cord it's really think of as a complex network of neurons that really send out signals to our body and interpret things and receive messages from all systems in the body. So it really conducts all kinds of different functions. It plays a huge role in our body's organ functioning. It plays a huge role in our homeostasis. So just staying balanced and healthy. And if you break down the nervous system, this is some of the stuff I'm talking about could be a whole graduate class in and of itself. So the nervous system is broken down into the central nervous system, spinal cord, brain, the peripheral nervous system that involves like the spinal and cranial nerves. And the peripheral nervous system is further broken down into the autonomic nervous system and the somatic nervous system. Like the somatic nervous system is related to like skeletal muscles and voluntary movement, things of that nature. The autonomic nervous system, in my experience, is what people probably know the most about or at least have heard about it because that's broken down into the parasympathetic division of that nervous system and the sympathetic division. So if you've ever studied trauma, you're probably aware like that fight, flight, freeze response. The fight, flight response is more related to the sympathetic division of the autonomic nervous system. Very common after someone has PTSD or extensive trauma. And then the parasympathetic nervous system is more related to getting back to balance and homeostasis. And sometimes it's been referred to as like the rest and digest component. So that's a broad, broad spectrum overview of the nervous system. So the nervous system plays a critical role in our thinking, our feelings, our memory, our learning. It plays a major role in our senses and how we interpret like taste and sound and touch and feel. 
plays a critical role in our sleep and our breathing patterns and our heartbeat and our digestion and movement. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So that's why I say this is probably one of the most important topics to be aware of. Million things can impact the nervous system negatively. Any kind of trauma absolutely can impact the nervous system. Prenatal alcohol and drug exposure is without a doubt going to impact our nervous system. Even infections, like someone gets an infection, it's untreated. That can impact this. Having brain tumors, having autoimmune issues, having problems with like blood flow issues, having issues with blood sugar regulation. So people that might be dealing with like type one or type two diabetes and it's untreated and that can impact this. Being exposed to toxins in the environment, pollution, living in poverty and you're exposed to like mercury or lead. I mean, and we need to be aware too, there's someone might have like inborn genetic problems or metabolic dysfunction. So lots and lots of things can negatively impact this. If we look specifically at like autonomic nervous system dysregulation, and if we introduce trauma into this equation, like someone deals with a lot of trauma, more times than not, that's going to throw off their autonomic nervous system. And what can happen? It can often look like hyperactivity. It can look like the person is overstimulated. It can create higher levels of anger panic-related issues. The person may have a really difficult time getting back to baseline, so they get dysregulated, and it may take them longer time to get back to balance and homeostasis. It can create a lot of restlessness and things of that nature. So, I mean, everything you, you see as an adoptive parent or foster care parent, and if you're raising a child who is exposed to alcohol or drugs in utero, I mean, there's a pretty good chance in they're dealing with this dysregulation. And when we're talking about people with some of those disorders, their nervous systems are even more sensitive than the average person. So we, their stress can impact them even more. Trauma can impact them even more. Going without sleep for a night can impact that population way more than people that maybe have higher levels of resilience built up in their system and their brains are functioning properly because they haven't had in utero trauma to drugs or alcohol or or whatnot so a lot of things again just know that it can impact it so any kind of psychological trauma people with higher aces scores the adverse childhood experiences research points to the fact that that can dysregulate our nervous system chronic stress in people of all ages, regardless of their backgrounds, chronic stress, toxic stress can impact it. People that have drug and alcohol problems, maybe they weren't exposed to it in utero, but maybe as a teenager or adult, they develop a, a drug or alcohol problem. That can throw it off, absolutely. A lot of lifestyle factors can impact this too. People that are dealing with socioeconomic disparities, food insecurity, isolation, grief and loss issues, all of those things can impact it. But then at the biochemical level too, mold exposure can impact this, heavy metal exposure, blood sugar dysregulation, digestive health issues, chronic inflammation in the body, all kinds of things can impact this. So 
those are just a few things. By no means is that an all-encompassing list of things, but just know that we're all subject to having nervous system dysregulation, but certain populations are going to be even more sensitive. Sandra, I'll kick it back to you for any thoughts. Uh, my head is spinning as usual because you, you know you did a really great job of listing off all of the things that, um, and I know it's not an exhaustive list, but the things that can affect you know or cause nervous system dysregulation, and and of course for our audience that the whole trauma prenatal exposure um, aspect of it is is definitely you know going to get our attention. So, are there Jared? Are there symptoms of this? Like what symptoms would we be noticing? Long-standing pattern of different things where maybe they have a tendency to shut down more under times of stress. Unexplained fatigue could be a red flag indicator. Any anxiety, depression, sleep issues. There's something called biological despair. People probably haven't heard of that term. It's not talked about a lot. But if someone deals with biological despair... That is when their system might be dealing with higher levels of physiological dysregulation and allostatic load. And that could be related to obesity problems, hypertension, a long-standing pattern of sleep issues, eating terribly, excessive sugar consumption, or maybe people skip meals all the time and they're making their blood sugar levels dip. Being aware, too, when we're talking about biological despair, the HPA access dysfunction comes into play. Autoimmune functioning issues come into play. You would probably also want to be aware of like pro-inflammatory cytokines. That's probably outside of the scope of this talk today, but definitely be aware of pro-inflammatory cytokines, gut health issues, as well as neuroinflammation. That's another big topic you need to be aware of too, but when, when neuroinflammation is going on, that could be inflammation going on in the brain or spinal cord, and that can be caused by gut-brain health issues, high blood sugar levels, metabolic dysfunction, untreated depression and anxiety, people that live a sedentary lifestyle and don't move much, and dealing, dealing with overweight kinds of issues. For some people, Neuroinflammation could be triggered by having a gluten intolerance, so very important to rule that out, or having like food allergies, so talking to a nutritionist could be very, very helpful. People who live very close to like a freeway or a factory and they're breathing in a lot of pollution, that may cause neuroinflammation. For some people with chronic joint pain or unmanaged autoimmune conditions or inflammatory bowel issues. These are all things that could exacerbate inflammation in the brain and the spinal cord. So just a few things to think about. And that's a lot of information, obviously, being thrown at you and your audience in a short time. Yeah, but I can see that how how it's also related and vital to all of the other conversations that we've had and that that brain and body connection. Um, if if a parent or caregiver suspects that their child uh, may have a central nervous system dysfunction, what can we do? Is this something that can get diagnosed or is it just sort of an overall umbrella and all these other things kind of come under it and that's what would get diagnosed? Well, getting 
meeting with your healthcare provider and just ruling out any comorbidities. So maybe there's some sort of nutritional deficiencies, iron deficiency, vitamin D deficiency. Sleep apnea has been linked to this, chronic insomnia, the blood sugar dysregulation. So ruling out all these factors going on. I, I know someone that was exposed to black mold recently, and they're clearly dealing with issues related to this. People that deal with chronic low-grade dehydration, that, that could be a factor as well. So, And what can happen, for some people, it can become very hyper-aroused, so they have a really hyper-aroused sensitivity in their nervous system. And for other people, they might have an under-responsive nervous system where they just, again, seem very tired and sluggish and slow-moving, things of that nature. So we really want to be aware of those kind of things and everything I'm throwing at you red, just being aware of the red flag indicators know that people that are under chronic stress, it, it is going to impact our nervous system. Our nervous systems are sensitive to not getting sleep, being on the screen too much, not eating healthy, not exercising enough. So the pretty good chance when people are sleep deprived, dealing with lots of stress, not taking care of themselves, it can absolutely lead to more dysfunction in their body and going to a doctor, getting just a panel done, maybe meeting with a functional medicine specialist, digestive health specialist, just ruling out all of these things. Because again, if we're dealing with lots of inflammation, digestive health issues, these things can absolutely trigger it. There's a lot of things we can do about it as well. I can talk about that today, but there is evidence to support the fact that people that have had a long-standing history of child sexual abuse may be more prone to central nervous system dysregulation. People that have more abdominal obesity, there's plenty of research that's looked at how that can impact this. There's a couple studies that have actually looked at alexithymia. And alexithymia could be a factor in causing more autonomic nervous system dysregulation because just think about it, people with alexithymia can't get their emotions out. Their emotions go into their body. So those emotions, they pile up and up and up over a long period of time. That could trigger more biological despair, more allostatic load, because if we're dealing with so much internal distress, our physiological capabilities are off. It can mess with our biochemistry. All that throws off our sleep. So lots, again, things that can really make this worse. People with social anxiety disorder oftentimes have autonomic hyperarousal, the research points to as well. And any kind of trauma, rule that out. There's a very good chance that you probably are dealing with some nervous system dysregulation. I do a lot of work in the area of criminal justice and forensics, and there's a good handful of studies that have looked at this through the lens of violent offending behaviors, intimate partner violence, child abuse, and delinquency. People that obviously have long-standing patterns of perpetration or victimization all those things don't feel good to the brain and body that throws off our whole whole balance people who smoke cigarettes that can throw it off too much caffeine can throw it off people exposed to prenatal opioid exposure a lot of studies on that as well so these are all things if this is happening to a person there's a high likelihood that it probably throws it off 
Now, for people with underlying issues, chronic health issues, mental health conditions, people have had long-standing issues of like trauma in utero or early childhood, there's a very high likelihood that they probably are dealing with some dysregulation or injury or deficits to their nervous system on some level. Before I get into interventions, and I just wanted to see if you had any thoughts on that. Uh, random things popping into popping into my mind. One being when when I was I don't know how old I was. Maybe I was in third grade. Um, I got the chicken pox, and they actually went inside and affected my nervous system. And for a long time, I couldn't walk a straight line. I sort of like, you know, very woozy acting. And we lived in a rural area. So the school bus ride was very long. And there was this season where I got car sick on the school bus almost every week. Um, because that just made me it made me so sick. And it took a long time for my body to recover from that. And that was caused by, you know, a childhood virus that, you know, well, now there's an immunization for it. But back then there wasn't. And, you know, just thinking of things like that. And, and I also know a lot of people I live in, in the Northeast. I know a lot of people who've been affected by um, getting Lyme disease through a tick bite that also uh, ha- attacks their, their central nervous system. So um, it can be many, many things. But uh, of course, you're you are you know, teaching us that it, you know, our children that we're raising that have experienced trauma, prenatal exposures, it's a highly likelihood that those things are affecting them, uh, affecting their central nervous system as well. Um, any thoughts on that before I ask you my next question? Million things. So those are other <laughs> things. Um, COVID-19. Mm. There's, I had COVID-19 several months ago without a doubt that impacted my nervous system. I could feel it. I was more anxious. I didn't sleep well, had a hard time catching my breath after COVID subsided as well. So there's just so many things that can impact our nervous system. I have a sensitive nervous system. I got bullied and teased back in third and fourth and fifth grade really, really bad. And I really think those experiences have giving me like neurochemical insults to my brain over a multiple period of time. And I can still feel like if I have to public speak or different, if I get out of balance, I can feel it. We all have it on some level, but some are more sensitive to others. So yeah, yeah. And that would go along with the stress, right? That chronic stress, that bullying would yep. cause that, 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 that stress. So is there a, a treatment or what can parents or caregivers do to help our kids if they have, you know, some kind of central nervous system dysfunction? Multiple things we can do. We've talked about all these throughout the series, but what are some things we can do to help this the nervous system develop for success early on in life? Obviously, a pregnancy free of chemicals, all the common sense things, pregnancy, taking good prenatal care, just doing the things we know that people should do in all reality. Does that always happen? Of course not. That's why some kids go to foster care, unfortunately. But helping that child or adult get better sleep, eating healthier, exercising, moving, getting plenty of rest, having good boundaries, 
enhancing our social network. These are all things that have been shown to, to be very, very helpful. If we get dysregulated, how do we activate our parasympathetic nervous system? That's the rest and digest helping us get back to balance. Anything we can do to improve our coping skills. Meditation has been shown to be helpful. Deep breathing is a great exercise that's been shown to have a very positive effect on our nervous system. Learning how to develop improved conflict resolution and problem-solving skills is another strategy that's been shown to be helpful. The very nature of finding a good counselor or therapist has also been shown to help with this. Anything we can do to build our resilience. So just enhancing our resilience will be in a better position to bounce back more effectively. Improved self-esteem and confidence has also been shown to be helpful. Learning how to set boundaries and not take on a million things and burning yourself out. So creating balance, learning how to say no, being assertive, not aggressive, but assertive. Deep tissue massage has been shown to be helpful. Doing yoga has been shown to be helpful. Implementing any kind of relaxation strategies can be very, very helpful. Maybe it's like guided imagery or progressive muscle relaxation. These are things that can be very helpful. The list of benefits associated with exercise just wonderful. Even if someone can't really exercise, they have mobility issues. Chair yoga, swimming, heated pool therapy, working with like a physical health professional, of course. I'm a huge fan of nutrition. So working with your nutritionist, functional medicine specialist, because there's some evidence that shows that people who consume more healthier foods that are rich in like more healthy biochemical compounds that can activate our parasympathetic ne nervous system and it can really help lead to more regulation in our body. Mindful parenting is another approach. So if anyone like looks into mindful parenting practices, this is a parent who engages in more active listening and full attention with their children and uses really non-judgmental approaches and has greater emotional awareness in themselves as a parent, but also uh, they understand their child's emotional state. And it's partially related to like self-regulation informed parenting, because technically you as the parent, you are that external regulator for that child. So if you can stay regulated and model that to that child, you are helping that child develop improved central nervous system functioning and having good self-compassion for yourself as a parent, but also having compassion for your child. Those are a few things that are supported in the research literature on central nervous system regulation. Yeah, it makes me that makes me think of um, the training that a lot of us have had through uh, the work of Dr. Karen Purvis, the the trust based relational intervention stuff, uh, the connected child uh, book that she wrote, uh, and and the empowered to connect stuff, and and all of that building building that connection with our kids, being mindful, 
you know, it goes into, you know, I, I had to learn how to be, how to self-regulate because I realized early on that if I wasn't regulated, my child was way, you know, he, he wouldn't regulate, he, he wouldn't be able to do that himself. So um, all, you know, all those are, are really, really good things. Um, any more on that list? I know that that's a, that's, there's a lot. I've been scribbling my notes. Yeah, we, we can go a little bit deeper. There's some research showing that just being out in nature can be helpful. So, and we've talked about getting off the screen, having a technology detox, being on that screen too long and it too late in the evening is one of the best things someone can do if you want to dysregulate your nervous system. If you don't want to d- dysregulate it, get off the screen at night. Interestingly, too, journaling has been shown to be somewhat helpful, as well as like chanting and singing and humming and having rhythmic-based movements. That's been shown to be helpful. There's um, some people, if you go online, look at lots of like websites, blog posts, some of the articles, weighted blankets for some might be a helpful approach. But make sure, talk to your healthcare provider before implementing any of these things. And I would just say, wrapping up to some of the biggest things that I would recommend, just based on the research to get good sleep, manage your blood sugar levels, improve your gut health, stay off the screen as much as possible in the evening, work with that nutritionist, laugh, be around positive people, take breaks have good self-compassion, get outside as much as possible, practice positive thinking like optimism and gratitude and really focusing on building up your resilience. These are all things that are not only going to support your child's central nervous system, but also you as a parent. Wow. All good things, all words of wisdom. And I do see a pattern over these 21 episodes that we've done. A lot of those same strategies um, overall improve health and well-being of our our children. So um, words of wisdom for sure. And you know, here we are, Dr. Brown, yet again, you have shed some light on another topic that we adoptive and foster parents and caregivers really need to know about. Um, I can't, we can't believe we've come to the end of the series, but as we wrap up, um, anything else on your heart that you want to share with us? Well, I've been honored to chat with you and your audience through these 21 um, episodes. Hopefully folks have gotten something out of it and just know that we always have something to learn. And if you start with this episode, this might be a good foundation to build on. But just know that if you have a child with special needs, someone that's been exposed to drugs, alcohol in utero, it's a pretty good chance they have central nervous system dysregulation. Anything we can do to support that will hopefully help them be more successful throughout the entire lifespan. Wow. Words of wisdom. So, Jared, thank you again for investing so much time into our audience over these past 21 episodes. I hope you'll come back in the future. Um, I, I would really love to have you back on. And, and, and these episodes have been very, very popular with our audience. So I know they'll want to have you back on as well. Sandra, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate you and all the great work you're doing. Thank you so much. We appreciate you and and uh, continue to have a, a wonderful journey as a foster parent as well. And, you know, your, our podcast is here for you as well as you're on that journey. I truly appreciate it. We're all in this together. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much again. You're welcome. 
Well, I hope you have enjoyed this series with Dr. Jared Brown as much as I have. I know we've heard from several of you that have just loved these episodes. Um, and, you know, I, I really hope to have him on. I'm sure he'll come on again in the future. He's going to let us know when he has a topic, um, something that he would love to talk with us about. Um, you know, and it's just been an amazing journey. Um and if you happen to hear scratching and barking in the background, that was my naughty puppy. I let her out just before um, I started recording with Dr. Brown. And two minutes later, she wanted to come in. And I just was not, I couldn't, I didn't want to stop the flow of the conversation um, and let her in. So if you're hearing strange noises, my naughty puppy, Liberty, um, who I did just let in before I finished my closing remarks here. But um, sorry about that if you're hearing her. Um Again, this has been a great series with Dr. Brown, and I hope you'll go back and listen to all of them if you haven't caught all 21 of them. Uh, and our regular episodes drop on Mondays. We have some great guests coming up on there. I often interview um, other fellow adoptive and foster parents and um, professionals in this space and those, you know, other folks on this journey, uh, as well as uh, offering some episodes where I just share my heart. And I've been doing a series on the primary characteristics, symptoms of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. So I've been continuing that series. So we've got lots to offer you um, as you are on this journey as an adoptive foster and kinship or kinship caregiver. Um, so I hope that you will continue to listen and check out our other resources as mentioned at the top of the show. Um, we have our um, FASD support group for parents and caregivers. You don't, your child does not have to be diagnosed um, to be part of that. If you just suspect prenatal exposure, um, you, you feel like you're dealing with those symptoms, um, then this group is for you. It's led by myself and Natalie Vecchione. Um, and we've got folks who have a little, little, little kids and folks who have teenagers and older kids who are part of this support group. And we are there here for each other. Um, as well as the other trainings that I mentioned at the top, the FASD um, free lunch and learn and our deep dives into FASD using the FACETS neurobehavioral model. Everything can be found on our website at justicefororphansny.org. Um, and as always, I love to give a shout out to our um, corporate business sponsors that help us do what we do here. Uh, and that would be Trinuclear Corporation, Bishop Boundary Construction, National Bank of Kusaki, Coleman Insurance Agency, and Cedar Shade Farm. These businesses care about children and families in crisis, and they help us do what we do. Be sure to find and follow Justice for Orphans on both Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Sandra Flack, at both of those platforms as well. So connect with me there. I am grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today, and I'm thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.